Hi, welcome to In the Kitchen with Brett Thorne, a podcast by Restaurant Hospitality. I'm your host, Senior Food and Beverage Editor Brett Thorne. Did you guys have a good 4th of July? I I had an interesting one. For the second time in a row, I was a judge at the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog Eating Contest. Uh, they, They first asked me to do that in late June of 2021, last year. And my first thought was, no, gross, that's disgusting. Why would I want to be near a bunch of people shoving as many hot dogs into their face as they possibly can? And then I thought about it a little more, and I thought, well, that actually could be kind of fun. And it turns out that it is a lot of fun. I mean, there's there's something about going to some sort of huge spectacle that really... Uh, in New York City was was the event of the day. Uh, and for me, it's convenient. I, it's, I live in Brooklyn. Coney Island is in a different part of Brooklyn, so it's about a 35-40 minute subway ride because Brooklyn is very large. Um, but easy enough for me to get to. Uh, and they uh, hand all of us a, a judge's shirt, which is, you know, one of those striped referee shirts and a cap and we all go out and and first look at the women's competition and then the men's and our our job is to count how many hot dogs they eat which actually is harder than you might think because they don't just take one hot dog and eat it and then another hot dog and eat it sometimes they'll shove three hot dogs in their mouths and then they have to eat the bun too and they take the buns and they dip them in water often they flavor the water with like grape syrup or something I guess that makes it easier to to get down. I don't know. I would think I'd want as little flavor as possible, but I'm also not a competitive eater, or at least not not in terms of speed. Um, and, and in fact, there's usually more than one judge per competitor because one person is counting and the other person has a flip chart with numbers, and we flip as the uh, as the contestants eat another hot dog. Uh, so I did that this year. Uh, and the, the woman that I judged ate 11 hot dogs. And I thought, you know what? I feel like maybe in 10 minutes I could eat 11 hot dogs. Um, but I don't know. I've never tried and I'm not going to. Uh, and then the gentleman that I judged, a competitor from England, ate 28 hot dogs, which I definitely couldn't do. Uh, but he had this tremendous beard that was coming down his face, like a huge beard, you know, the Santa Claus style, except a little more, a little more groomed, and he, he tied it in a knot at the end, and it was, he was the messiest eater I have ever seen. He was just shoving the food in his mouth, and it was all this soggy hot dog bun was dripping down his beard, um, but I felt, I mean, I wasn't disgusted. I thought, oh, that's, that's a sloppy way to eat. But even though, unless you are the one counting the hot dogs of the, the presumed champion, who for the men uh, was Joey Chestnut, who ate 63 hot dogs, uh, 13 fewer than last year when he ate 76, uh, unless you're, you're judging him, it's okay if you don't 
count every single hot dog. Although, you know, we try to be diligent judges. Uh, and so there were two of us. Uh, the guy on my team who was taller than me uh, actually counted the hot dogs because the competitors were on this this sort of dais outside of the Nathan's Famous Hot Dog flagship location on Coney Island and were sort of underneath on a lower platform. And I am five foot three inches tall, so I, I couldn't actually see the hot dogs. But uh, the taller guy, he counted the hot dogs and gave me hand signals when a hot dog was completed and I flipped the chart. Uh, and that is how I spent my morning of July 4th, morning and after early afternoon of July 4th. I hope you guys had fun too. Um, I also had fun in a, in a clumsy segue that I'm doing right now, interviewing our guest uh, on the podcast this week, Robert Ash, who is in charge of culinary operations at the Encore Boston Harbor Hotel. Uh, fun fact that does not in this interview, the Encore Boston Harbor has what's probably the only one, tw the only 21 and older uh, Duncan location. Uh, when they were building the property, there was a Duncan franchisee who had a, an operating Duncan. I don't think they changed the name Duncan Donuts or from Duncan Donuts to Duncan. So he had a Duncan Donuts on the site at exactly where they needed to build the entrance of the property. And he had something like 10 years left on his lease and wasn't about to give it up. And when Resort said, no, really, like, how much do you want? You have to give it up. We have to build our casino here. And he said, no, I'm going to instead have you include my Duncan in the hotel. And it turns out it is the busiest hotel, busiest restaurant in the entire Encore Boston Harbor, you know, and it's a win property and they tend to, you know, be a little bit fancier than we imagined a Duncan would be, but uh, it's a pretty fancy Duncan. It is a highly profitable Duncan. And I think anybody who needs to uh, negotiate leases should go to the Encore Boston Harbor and meet this franchisee and get advice because he seems pretty sharp. So does Robert Ash, my guest this week, uh, who has good advice about mentoring and supply chain issues and assorted other things. Uh, please enjoy my conversation with him. Here's Robert Ash. Well, and this is your first summer. I mean, it's your first summer as the as the culinary director, but it's also Encore's first summer, as I understand it, full Fully summer. operational. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because oh, it, it opened in, like, September 2019, is that right? Something like that? Late June of 2019 oh, okay. uh, was the official opening. And then, as we all know, come March, uh, things uh, weren't the same for the rest of the world. No. And it was kind of up and down, open and closed for the next... Uh, 18 months or so so I mean it's great that 2022 has started to see a full year of operation ahead of us and business is just going phenomenal our event and uh, catering business is going nothing but gangbusters it's it's great to see groups and parties and and people enjoying themselves coming back 
and utilizing the resort for what it was built for to have that camaraderie that group gathering that fun times the weddings everything is just turning around and we're very happy to see that. And who are most of your guests? Are they are they local people? Are they hotel guests? Are do local people come and stay in the hotel? How, oh, how absolutely! It? Our local market is our biggest driver. Um, local meaning not just Massachusetts based, but Connecticut, Rhode Island, even parts of uh, New Hampshire, Vermont, Maine and also New York City. So it's about a 250 mile radius that we look at as our local, but the uh, the Massachusetts demographic gives us a lot of support and we enjoy it. You know, we like to uh, welcome them. Uh, they stay in the hotel, they gamble in the casino, they venture into each of our uh, venues and restaurants and they like to uh, enjoy the resort for what it was built for. So they're not having to drive to local competitors farther away and then deal with that. So it's right in their own backyard and it's been really welcomed by the community. And there's a shuttle that comes from both from the aquarium area and from the seep the new sort of seep port area. area. So multiple shuttles from all over there. Oh, okay. Uh, even through our limo services we do drive some of our guests to New York, to other areas. Uh, we're very com- uh, accommodating to uh, all of our guests. So that means that people can come here, they don't have to drive. They can park wherever, get on a, a boat, come over here, hang Take out. Take a train. There's so many modes of transportation that uh, can get our guests to the resort and enjoy themselves without having to worry about that. So how do you spend your day? What's your job? It sounds, it sounds like more than one person should have to do. Not at all. I, I feel like I'm an octopus sometimes with my hands involved in a little bit of everything. But it's for the right reasons. It's to ensure everybody feels supported on a daily basis. My day starts out every single morning saying hi to everybody on the team. From every single steward that's working to every single cook to people in other departments. Because it's very important that you welcome each and every team member with that hello, how are you? Just to make sure everybody's good and ready to go for the day. It gives you that opportunity to look them in the eye to make sure that their mental health is okay as well. You can tell a lot by just how you say hello to somebody and how they respond back to you. So it kind of sets that tone for the day. Right. If you, if you ask, hello, hello, how are you? They're going to say fine or great or good or whatever, but you can tell by looking at them whether they're actually fine or good or great or yeah. not. And it gives me an opportunity to inspect them and our expectations in dress code, uniform, um, their overall presence and how they're going to perform for our guests on that day. Uh, but other than that, it's uh, meetings about today's business, tomorrow's business, and months down the road business. Planning, making sure that everybody is set up for success. <coughs> Excuse me, across the board, and then that progresses on throughout the day. It's uh, doing midday checks with everybody on the team, and then at the end of the day, before I leave, again, it's saying goodnight to everybody, going around to each of the teams, making sure that they have what they need. Um, Pre-dinner, it's going through each of the restaurants, just doing quality checks, making sure and going down the line, tasting food, seeing how everybody's doing, making sure that my chefs are also doing quality checks with each of the lines. So each of our guests get the highest quality food on their table. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how many moving parts there are in one restaurant, and you have a whole bunch mm-hmm. that you have to make sure that your people are 
handling all the moving parts. When you look at your step counter for the day, if you're not at least 18 to 20,000, you haven't done your job. Sounds right. <laughs> so the big topics these days are labor and supply chain. How, how are you doing? With how that? am I doing? Well, same as the rest of the world. We learn how to operate in the times uh-huh. that, are, that we're currently facing. Um, the, the quality of labor out there, just like everybody, is it's a struggle. Um, but one thing we do here within the Wind Resorts is we really take great care of our employees and we treat them with respect. Uh, we listen to them. We make sure that our staff retention is extremely high because we take care of our employees. Uh, we, we look after their well-being and we make sure that we train them and give them the tools to be successful as well as giving them an opportunity to grow and develop within the company. It's not just, okay, you're hired on as a, uh, a cook one and you're never going to be anything higher. I would prefer to promote within and people are seeing that. Um, just in my short time, we've already promoted quite a few people because I see the growth potential in them. Um, positions that I have open, if there's absolutely nobody within internal I can't promote, then we'll, we'll look outside, and, and but we're going to take our time with it. I'd rather find the right person for the right job and then just to hire anybody. So there are a lot of people out there that are willing to come in and work for us, and it's just reaching out to them and making sure that we find them. But supply chain, again, that is something that we are all looking at very closely, but doing a great job with. We look at each of our menus, and obviously seasonality is a, a big factor in all of our menus here uh, from the multiple changes. So again, it's being flexible and uh, really going with the flow as far as what the farmers can give us and modifying, manipulating our menus to really work with them and to stay ahead of the supply chain issues. Um, everybody uses the excuse, well, I can't get this, I can't get that. Well, you need to spend a little bit of time researching and developing what is available, or you're not even looking at seasonality in your menus. Uh, so you need to be flexible as a chef going, okay, this week I can't get X, Y, and Z. I can get this, or I can do that, and, and working with the team. And the great thing about being able to do your menus in-house is you can make those on-the-fly changes. You can be flexible, and you can give your guests a little bit better variety of things. So. Does that sometimes have to do with how you write a menu? Like, you know, you can pick a specific fish or you can, you know, have a fish preparation and then put whatever fish in there you might be able to get, for example. Exactly. A lot of times now what we're doing across menus is we're using broader terminology. We're not using... We, we do like to use specific farm names, but at the same time, what that does is it kind of gives you a little kind of struggle with it because what if that farm runs out now you have to go to another person and now you're having to reprint the menu so sometimes using broader terminology and letting the guests imagination go but putting it through the server's hands and and the service team to explain it and give them the opportunity to show the excitement of oh we're using x y and z farm and they do this and they grow it this way and they do this preparation and that gives them the tool to go, wow, and gives you the, a different uh, experience while you're dining. 
and possibly gets the server a better tip, maybe. Or Hopefully, that's the end goal. Yeah, that's the hope. Or, and I'm sure also the server has to read the table, and if they don't want to hear about it, then you don't tell them. Exactly, and that's where training and working with the service team and the culinary team comes in play. And since you have background in bouncing and housekeeping, you can, you know, do a lot of that. Or, or, or be aware of what people need, even if you're not the one doing it. You also said you were an executive sous chef at the age of 16? Uh, I was a sous chef of sous a chef. restaurant at the age of 16. That's pretty good. So that, does that help you spot talent among inexperienced people? Because at 16, you didn't have that much experience. I did not. <laughs> but you were a sous chef already. So that's great. It's, I can look at a person and look at uh, their work ethic. Um, their personality. I'd rather have somebody that has a very positive personality and willing to learn and, and work with them to grow than somebody that's coming in saying, I know everything and you can't teach me anything. So I've used a lot of international J-1 visa programs as an opportunity to grow and expand the, the team and teach them the, the way of uh, the culinary industry. And it's been very successful for me in uh, multiple places and cities. But it also gives us an opportunity to learn different cultures and, and bring the cultures from all over the world into our hotels. Here's, here's a little bit different um, because of our, our current uh, situation. But taking the local culinarians from the local universities, so Johnson and Wales, mm -hmm. or the CIA up in New York, or the local community colleges, for example. There's some great individuals that are willing to come up through those schools that as long as they have that positive attitude, they have that willingness to learn and grow and be a sponge, those are the ones that I want. I don't want the kid that's coming out of school going, yeah, I'm a sous chef or I'm ready to be an executive chef. Where, where's my $100,000? Well, I understand that you have a, you have a very expensive uh, debt that you have to repay, but we also need to work through it. You can't just jump ahead you're going to miss so many steps there's so much that you're not going to learn if you're willing to learn the fundamentals and grow that's what i'm looking for yeah i sometimes hear stories about culinary school grads who think that they're ready to be bobby flay and they're really ready to start learning to train to be a line cook and yes. that's i mean is it is that still often the case that you get some arrogant young people coming into the kitchens uh absolutely it's, it's always going to be there um I mean, I guess part of your job as a young person is to be kind of arrogant, and then you have to kind of A be little taught. bit, but you just have to learn to be humble at the same time. And, yeah, and be open to learning new stuff. How about in terms of, because I, I, you probably don't have as much opportunity as the chefs of the individual restaurants to, to uh, train the entry-level employees, but you also have to manage the managers, so... How, do you have advice for other chefs who are in that kind of uh, situation, position? Well, as senior leadership and senior chefs, don't let your position stifle your ability to work with entry-level folks. As long as you're present and you're there, uh, when you're walking through the kitchen, if you see something, take it as an opportunity, a learning opportunity, a growing opportunity for that individual. Prime example is uh, one of my venues today. I was walking through the kitchen just doing some line checks, and I know somebody doing something a little different. 
and it was an opportunity to teach them and grow. And they looked at me and said, wow, I've never had an executive chef ever do that for me. And that just gives you that, that moment of, wow, I mean, they, they care, they listen, and they want that. So as an executive chef, don't let your position stop you from teaching. That's why we, somebody taught us at one point, and we're here to teach and grow. I sometimes hear that young people these days, and I guess we've probably said this about every generation, that they don't have a work ethic or they're bad at taking criticism. It's, do you think that younger people are more delicate or prickly than they've been in the past, or is that just sort of what you are when you're young? Today's generation is a little different than when I, I came up or um, a lot of generations have come up. But uh, it's all about learning and working with them. It's, a, it's about understanding their dynamic and how each individual likes to learn and grow. It, it, it's not a one size, it's not a one way fits all individuals. You have to learn to work with the the, the, the entire group uh, and really kind of meld with all of them without kind of taking away from their individual personalities. That's cool. I, I want to talk a little bit more about supply chain. Uh, have there, how do you figure out how to adjust from getting you know, I mean, we used to be used to, I think, to getting what we expected to get all the time, and now that's not as much the case. So has it been a big adjustment to have to kind of rework the menu or for the chefs to be more flexible that they're going to get a different vegetable or a different kind of meat or a different spec? It's, or is that just part of the – has that always been part of the job? No, it, it's become more difficult today. It really has. Um, uh, and the food aspect, things are starting to balance a little bit. But again, it's all about planning. It's about organization. It's about communication with your vendors, communication with the farmers, communication and building those relationships with the ones that are supplying you the product. As long as you build those relationships and have that clear line of communication, you know or can know farther in advance than, than most because you've built those relationships with your partners. Um, as it relates to equipment and China glass silver, those type of things, it, it, it's a struggle. But I think we've all come to the terms that we know it's going to be six months, eight months, a year down the road before we're going to get that, that oven from X, Y, who's the person, or the China from France, or the glassware from Germany, or wherever it may come from. So it's about thinking about your future purchases and the future impact on your P&L statements and how do we manage that, and how do we get it farther ahead. So now I'm looking at December and even Q1 of next year purchases, so we're already ahead, rebuilding power levels, making sure that we are set uh, on a lot of those type of items. And you mentioned that you also work with local farms. Does that kind of, is that easier, or is it is it more, since, Long-distance supply chains are so complicated and difficult and don't work as well. Has it become, and, are, and it makes the products more expensive, is it now, are, are local items now kind of 
by comparison, easier to get and more reasonably priced than they have been in the past? They have. I think I've found the key to the local partnerships is tying yourself down to a few of them, not trying to spread it out and saying, okay, I, I promise I'll continue to buy from you and I'll buy your whole crop of this lettuce or I'll buy your whole crop of this potato. As long as you can guarantee that I get the cream of the crop, no pun intended there, but <laughs> I, I'm getting the, the fair, the, the, the main share of it. That uh, we're not going into this partnership and you're like, okay, yes, I'll give this all to you. But then I'm finding out 20 other restaurants are also getting this and now you're going to start shorting me. Um, so it's building those relationships and it really has worked out to our benefit. So you're kind of, instead of being a customer, you're forming a partnership and a commitment exactly. to a, a limited number of local suppliers. So that they have a guaranteed income and you have guaranteed product. 100%. And it's worked from poultry farmers to vegetable farmers to ranchers to whoever it may be that we're looking to partnership with. Great. Well, Robert Ash, thanks for taking so much time to hang out with me. It was really nice talking to you. Absolutely, right. And uh, I'm looking forward to hanging out on your property. Well, we look forward to uh, making sure we take care of you.